All right. Well, this is a special Sunday to remember and reflect upon and rejoice in the reality that Christ has conquered the grave for us. He has uh, he died. He was crucified, buried and raised from the dead. And we rejoice in that. This is central to the Christian faith. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says we are the most pitiful people on the face of the earth. But if he did rise from the dead, if he is indeed risen from the dead, and what he said is true, that we will rise with him, then we have the greatest hope in this world. The greatest hope, the greatest problem of humanity has been dealt with for us through Jesus Christ. Jesus bore our sins that separated us from God, and he went to the grave for us. Death was overcame for you and I. Amen? And so we celebrate that this morning. I struggled uh, what, what specific text to preach on this morning, just thinking about the great emphasis on the resurrection and, and I ended up landing on Luke chapter 15, and we are going to focus on a parable that Jesus told about two sons, two sons that were wayward. And, and, and Jesus told this parable to, to give us a picture of what God the Father's like. He is a loving Father, and what we're like. We're like these two sons, two sons that are wayward and, and stray from the Father. And so if you would uh, pray with me and we'll dig into Luke chapter 15. Father, thank you for these words that we have recorded in Scripture. And as we open them up, I pray that you would speak to every heart here. That we would grasp the truth of who you are. That we would believe the truth and and who you are and what you've done to rescue us. And that we would respond to your, your call to return home. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. Luke 15, starting in verse 11. Jesus gave three parables in Luke chapter 15, and they were in response to the religious leaders of his day grumbling about this reality, that Jesus was eating with and receiving tax collectors and sinners. It bugged the religious folks that Jesus was hanging out with the sinful people, with the, with the people that were wrong, the people that, that were just sinners. And, 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 and the religious people saw that, and they were bugged by it. They were bugged, like, why, why is Jesus hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, and then he receives them? Why, why does he do that? And so Jesus gives three parables. He gives a parable about a lost sheep. He says, which of you who uh, has, if, if you have a, 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 90, a hundred sheep and one strays away, will not leave the 99 and go after the one and bring them back in? Okay, that makes sense. That's what a shepherd does, right? He takes care of his sheep. And if one goes, he goes and gets it. Or, or how about a lady who she loses a coin, a costly coin, and she searches all over the house. She cleans the house, all right, to find the coin. And then when she finds it, she rejoices, okay, and, and tells her friends, rejoice with me. I found my money, all right. 
And so Jesus gives these two parables, and then he finishes the parables up with this longer one on the parable of the what we call the prodigal son. Often it's been referred to as the prodigal son, but really this parable is more about the loving father. This parable emphasizes and highlights the love of God the Father and how he feels towards wayward sons and daughters. Amen? So let's look at it, starting in verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living and when he had spent everything a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs sound like a fun job go feed the pigs And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me. As one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And he said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they begin to celebrate. Verse 25. Now his older brother was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed a fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came and came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served, I have served you. I've never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes, when he's come back, you you killed a fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all, all that is mine is yours. And it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and, and is alive. He was lost and is found. Amen? So here's the big idea. This is where we're going this morning, that God loves us more than we realize, and he waits for us to return to him when we stray, and he celebrates our return. God loves us more than we realize, okay? Uh, Even folks who've been Christians for a long time struggle with this reality that God really loves you. 
more than you realize, more than you comprehend. His love is so much deeper. Okay, notice the father here and, and the son, his request and, and, and how the, the father responds. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Basically, what this son was saying to his father uh, was saying, Dad, uh, I don't want to wait till you die. Can I just have my inheritance now? Okay? This was an insult. This was an insult to the father. The son shouldn't have even asked for that. Okay? And he's like, all right, Dad, you, you know, you, you're still doing pretty good. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be free and go party. Give me my money so I can go. All right? And his father let him have it. He didn't object. He could have. You know, he didn't object. And, and so, so he divided his property between them. He, turned, he liquidates it and turns it into cash. And he's off. He's off to go, go party up, go, go to the big city. Um, not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. I think the King James says prodigal. Uh, that's where we get the word, just wasteful. So the son took that inheritance that the father gave him, and he went and he wasted it. All right? He had lots of fun. All right? But he wasted his inheritance that his father had given him. And you know what? God loves us even when we stray and we take his blessings and we squander them and we, and we fail to give him thanks for the many blessings that he's given us. God loves us even when we choose to love the blessings that he gives more than we love him. Even when we love the stuff, all the stuff, all the, the good gifts in life that he gives us more than him, the giver. He still loves us. He's still for us. All right? And we see the Father's heart in this parable. The God, this, this Father was still for his son. He didn't give up on his son even though his son was making some really poor decisions. He loved him. Let me quote here, a quote from Tim Keller on this. Um, the gospel is this, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in, Christ, in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. We are more sinful and flawed than we ever dare believe. The selfishness was being revealed through this younger son. And yet, we are more loved and accepted in, in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Um, Tim Keller wrote a book called The Prodigal God, and he, he expounds on this parable. Okay, and here's, here's a couple of quotes from here. God's love and forgiveness can pardon and restore any sin and every kind of sin or wrongdoing. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. There is no evil that the Father's love cannot pardon and overcome. There is no sin that is a match for His grace. You can't out-sin the grace of God. You can't outrun the love of God. He loves His people, and He pursues us with His love, and He loves us even when we turn our backs on Him. This is, this is baffling. This is mind-boggling that God, in, in our state, when we're rebellious and we run and we do our own thing and we, we, we turn away from God, that He is still loving and still for us. 
You know, this son had lots of pleasures. He, he enjoyed the pleasures of his sin. You see, the Bible tells us in, in Hebrews that, that there, are, there is a passing pleasure of sin. You know, some folks will say sin ain't no fun. Well, I would disagree. You can have a lot of fun sinning, all right? And I think we could all testify to that. You can have a lot of fun sinning, but sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. And those pleasures of sin are just fleeting. They're just passing. Feels good at first. At first, when he had his pockets full, and he, he had a lot of promise before him, but then when, 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 when his money ran out because he made some poor financial decisions, and then his friends ran out, all right, and then, and then he had to get this job serving pigs, all of a sudden sin wasn't so fun anymore. Life got really hard for this young man because he tried to go his own way. And you see, sin has its pleasures with it, but it also has its problems. Sin has its problems with it. There are, there are great consequences that come for our sin. And, and, and you know what? The, the, the bad news is, is that you could, bear, you could bear those consequences, not just in this life, but for all eternity. Okay, that's what hell is. You bear the consequences for your sin. But the good news is this, is that Jesus bore the consequences for our sin, for us on the cross. That's why we can celebrate and sing so joyfully today and with freedom and and with abandon because Christ has taken our place and he went to the grave for us. The consequences for our sin is death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a good gift that you only have to receive. Amen? And so there are pleasures with sin, and there are problems with sin. This young man, he went and squandered the property with reckless living, and he had spent everything, and then a, then a famine arose in the country. And then he had a need. All right? His, his money ran out. His money ran out. And then so, so he hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country and, he sent, and who sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. And he was longing. Look at verse 16. He was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. That's what you call hitting rock bottom, by the way. That's, that's what you call hitting rock bottom. When, when, when you're feeding pigs, your job is to feed pigs and then... Like, like you're so hungry because you don't have enough money for your own food. You're so hungry that you just wish that you can have what the pigs are eating. They don't get good food, all right? They get the, the bottom of the barrel, right? For a Jewish boy, pigs were considered unclean, unkosher. So for, for a Jewish boy, this was, this was pretty low. This was a low job to, for him. So there are pleasures with sin, and there are problems with sin. Yet God loves us even when we stray from him in our sin. The scripture says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. You know, some of us think that we have to get cleaned up to come to God. You know, we got to fix ourselves and then we'll go to church or then we'll go to God. But God loves us when we're, when we're in our mess, in our filth, in our slop of sin. He loves us. 
So the next thing is that God patiently waits for us to return to him. Uh, verse 20 says, and he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and he embraced him and he kissed him. This is extravagant. This is extravagant love being poured out. Okay, so his father wasn't like this. You want to come home now, son? He didn't give him the mean look. He saw his son from a distance, and he went running to him. He saw him, and he took off. And, and this was, you know, this was kind of, this was radical for an old man to do that. I mean, one of, first of all, you don't see a lot of old men running like that today anyways, right? Maybe out of White Rock Lake, you know, in their Speedos, they're out there. Those, those ripped guys are out there running around like, but this was an older Jewish guy with a robe and sandals and, This was an undignified thing to do uh, for this older Jewish man. And you know what? He became undignified in expressing his love and acceptance for his son who was lost, who was coming home, and he didn't care what anybody else thought about him. He just took off running, and he, he he felt compassion. You know God feels this for you? God feels this for you. You know, he didn't... Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to save us through his death. God feels compassion for people. God sees us. His father saw him and he felt compassion and he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. God patiently waits for people to repent. Second Peter 3, 9 says that God is patient, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is patient. He's waiting. He's waiting for people to to turn to him in repentance. And sometimes it takes hitting rock bottom. I know for my mother, that's what it took. My mother was addicted to to drugs, and, and, and her drug addiction brought her to the hard concrete ground of a jail cell where she had no money and she had no freedom, and, and life really stunk for her. And it was in that moment that God turned her to, to himself and rescued her eight, almost 18 years ago, 17, 18 years ago. And so my mom and myself, we both came to Jesus. And you know what? This is what we experienced. We experienced the embrace of the Father. And oh, how sweet that was. Oh, how good that felt to feel the Father's embrace around me, December 12th, 1998, considering all the things that I had done and, and considering how unworthy I was to go to church or go to, go to God, I knew I deserved death and hell and destruction, yet God loved me and he sent Jesus to die for me. And that sunk in December 12th, 1998. I cried like a little baby. I wept like I hadn't cried like that. I don't think I ever cried like that before. And I hadn't cried for a long time before that because I was, I was using drugs and I was just numbing the pain of, of, of my sin and my, my, my troubles and my, with, I was numbing my pain with the addiction. And when I came to the Lord, how sweet, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. 
how how sweet this must have felt for this wayward son to come home feeling shameful, feeling unworthy, feeling very foolish, having wasted his father's inheritance that he had given him before he even died. He didn't get condemnation. He didn't get uh, mocked at. He didn't get ridiculed when he came home. He got accepted. He got loved. And his father starts kissing him. I mean, that's just, that's affection. That is extravagant affection. And you know what? That's how God feels about you. That's how God feels about you. I wonder how many prodigals, uh, sons like this and daughters like this, are in church this morning because it's Resurrection Day. It's, it's, it's Easter Sunday, the, 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 the day when most folks go to church, the, where the, when church has its highest attendance. You got your, your Christers, you got your, your, your Christmas folks and Easter folks, and that's when you see them twice a year, right? They show up. And I think this is what God wants the Christers to experience. I think this is what God wants for the wayward sons and daughters who've been out doing their own thing, living their lives how they want to live. This is what God wants. He wants to embrace them and lavish His love upon them. Notice how uh, in the text that this son had this nice little speech prepared for his father. And his father didn't even let him finish the speech. Okay? He didn't let him finish the speech. I mean, before he could finish what he was saying, his father's just hugging him and kissing him and, and, and just about throwing a party for him. Now, I do think this is important, too, that when somebody returns to God, that they come with a sense of humility and brokenness, recognizing that they have sinned. Uh, before God. Look look at what, what the son, first of all, verse 17, it says, when he came to himself, to return to God, oftentimes we need to come to our senses. We need to wake up. Those living wayward lives, running from God, doing their own thing, have kind of, uh, they're, they're numb, you know, and, 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 and not making the best choices. But, but this young man came to himself, and this is what he thought. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I'd perish here with hunger. He's like, this stinks. This stinks. And my dad's, my dad's employees got it a lot better than this. I'm going home. You know, I'll just go back and work for my dad. Okay? I will rise and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Notice the humility in this statement. Notice how he's he's not walking up in there presumptuously like all right dad what you got what you got cooking he realizes he doesn't deserve that he feels unworthy and then he also accepts responsibility this is important too when somebody repents it's important an important element of that repentance is accepting responsibility that ultimately our sin is against God the father it's a vertical sin Though our sin horizontally damages all these relationships around us. We just tear up relationships through our selfishness and sin. Sin is so destructive. I mean, God knows how life works best. You know, yet we think we have a better way. And we tear up all these relationships. And then, and then most of all, the most important relationships that, that damage is this one here with God, the vertical one. And this... This young man, he says, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. This is important to acknowledge. When we come back to God, we acknowledge we, we've sinned against the holy God. 
And we've hurt people with our selfish decisions. This story is a story of repentance. This young man turns back. The last point here is simply this, is that God rejoices over us when we return to him. So the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it, let us eat and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now perhaps there's somebody here as as we, as a church, are celebrating Resurrection Day joyfully with our praises and we're remembering and reflecting upon that awesome, awesome historical uh, thing that took place. Jesus rose from the dead. Perhaps there's somebody here struggling to celebrate and share that same joy and excitement about the resurrection. And maybe there's another celebration that needs to happen first with you then. Maybe there's something else that needs to happen. That is you returning to the Father so that you can experience the benefits of the resurrection of what Christ has done for you. He came to seek and save that which is lost, to rescue the wayward, to bring them back. And we see the Father rejoicing. He puts a robe on him. He clothes him. Okay, get him some clothes. He, he was probably messy and stinky. He put a ring on his finger, on his hand. He put shoes on his feet, and then he killed the fatted calf. They had a barbecue. They had a party. That sounds like a party. Let us celebrate. Okay, and I love verse 24. My son was dead, and he's alive again. Perhaps that's the resurrection that you need to experience. You see, the Bible says that we were dead in our sins. Ephesians 2 describes that our spiritual state we were dead in our sins before god and jesus when we become christians and our eyes are opened he raises us from the dead he raises us out of out of sin and the power of sin and he gives us new life and when we respond to that invitation god throws a party in luke 15 verse 7 it says that there is more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over 99 righteous persons. There's a party that's going on in heaven. We're celebrating down here the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. But I tell you what, heaven wants to have a party today because sinners repent that prodigal sons and daughters come home and return to the Father. God rejoices over that. He throws a party over that. One time I was on my way to my brother's football game and... Uh, I ran into two guys at the grocery store and I shared with them about Christ and I gave them a little gospel track and put my number on there and, and just, just talked with them briefly and then didn't think much of it. And I kept going and I was at my brother's football game, watching the football game. It was towards the end and I get a phone call from, from one of these guys and they sounded a little bit broken and teary. And, and one of them, uh, he, he says, man, I just want to thank you so much for stopping and talking to us. We were about to do something really stupid, and, and man, we're, we're, we're grateful you, you stopped, or, you know, whatever. They, they said something like that, and I was like, okay, ex- what was, what, what's going on? What were you guys doing? And, and so he said, man, we were about to kick in a drug dealer's door and try to rob him. Man, you came and talked to us, and just I'm glad we didn't do that. We could have got killed. These guys repented of doing something really dumb and probably could have got killed. And they probably weren't walking with the Lord. 
right at that moment, so I'm on my phone with them. My brother's football team, it's at the end of the game. My brother's football team runs the ball from one end of the field to the other. Okay, and then what happens at a football game when, when there's a touchdown and a team wins? Everybody is, you get more crunk at a football game than you do at church, right? A lot of folks do. Everybody's just, just cheering and, and clapping and, and yelling, and, and they're, they're all excited. And, and, and God just reminds me in this moment while I'm on the phone with this young man who repented from trying to kick in his drug dealer's door and stealing his drugs. God, God reminds me that there's a, he- there's a party in heaven when one sinner repents. God wants to throw a party over sons and daughters returning to him today. And how sweet, how precious and sweet that grace is when we first believe, when we first come and experience that. Like we come feeling like this young man. I'm not worthy, God. Yet you love me. You accept me. You forgive me. You take me back. I've made some bad choices. So God rejoices over us when we come back. Now notice the the story is about, it, it has two sons in here. We got the the rebellious son. And then we got the the religious son. You see, they're both wayward sons. And they're both wayward. One's wayward in his rebellion and wild, crazy partying. And the other one is wayward in his religiousness. You can be a religious person who goes to church all the time and be just as lost as this other guy. Who who just, he's just real about where his heart is. He's just going to enjoy sin. You like, you know, and, and do his own thing. So look, look, verse 28. This is the son's response. And the son's response reveals a disconnect with the father, with his father. The son's angry refusal to celebrate over his brother who had come back. His brother didn't die. His brother is alive. His brother's come back to the family. His father was rejoicing about this. God rejoices about sinners returning and coming home. And, and so this, this brother here was angry. Verse 28, he was angry and he refused to go in. And his father came out and entreated him. And he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. You see, many of us find ourselves in, in, in this story either on one side or the other. Probably for several folks here, we, we relate more with this guy. Who with, with his rule keeping and religiousness, he tried to, uh, to merit favor with the father. Here's a couple quotes from Tim Keller on his, in his book, Prodigal God. He said, sin is not just breaking the rules. It is putting yourself in the place of God as Savior, Lord, and Judge. There are two ways to be your own Savior and Lord. One is by breaking all the moral laws and setting your own course. And the other one is by keeping all the moral laws and being very, very good. Because if you keep all the laws and you're very, very good, why do you need a Savior? Why do you need a Lord? You're your own Lord. You can do it yourself. You can save yourself. You don't need somebody to die for your sins, right? Jesus died for sinners, not for righteous people. And so this is very insightful here. 
Uh, Keller goes on and he says, Neither son loved the father for himself. They both were just using the father for their own self-centered ends rather than loving, enjoying, and serving him for his own sake. This means that you can rebel against God and be alienated from him either by breaking his rules or by keeping all of them diligently. It's a shocking message. Careful obedience to God's law may serve as a strategy for rebelling against God. Ouch. Does anybody feel that? Feel some? Does that hit home or resonate with anybody at all? Now, re- remember who Jesus was telling this parable to in response to the Pharisees who were grumbling about Jesus eating and receiving tax collectors and sinners. Because the Pharisees would have fell right into the second category, the older son. They refuse to respond to Jesus' invitation. They refuse to come home to the Father. They were just as distant from God as, as the tax collectors and sinners were. You see, we all need a Savior. No matter how moral and disciplined and responsible you are, you need a Savior who will save you from your sins. And Jesus is that Savior. No matter how reckless and unresponsible and sinful and ungodly and immoral you may be, you need a Savior. And God will accept the disciplined, responsible son or daughter. He will accept that wayward son or daughter who's been immoral and reckless in their living. He will accept them back and embrace them with his love. Amen? But it starts with us coming to our senses and recognizing that, that God will receive us back, that we have a place in his house. Jesus has displayed that. And so I'm going to close here with three applications. One is to know that God loves you more than you realize. Okay, I, I can preach till I'm blue in the face up here, but I can't make you get this. You need the Holy Spirit to open your eyes, to open your heart, to understand how great God's love is for you. And sometimes, sometimes it's in our greatest failures that we experience God's love in its, its most profound ways. Because, because in our greatest failures, we're, we're, we're not able to associate Him pouring out His love on us with anything that we did. Okay? In our greatest failures, when, when we're just at rock bottom, you know, we don't have that self-righteousness or that, well, look at what I did. That's why you love me. It's not this earning favor with God. And, and God unconditionally lavishes His Father's love out on us. Uh, the next thing is that keep going back to the Father when you fail and when you sin. Keep going back. Christians are not perfect, all right? And we don't try to pretend that we're perfect here. We don't try to pretend that we're perfect. But you know what? We're forgiven and we're free. And we're going to use that for forgiveness and freedom that we've experienced in Christ Jesus to, to show that love to others and help others find forgiveness and freedom in Christ Jesus. Amen. We're not going to use that forgiveness and freedom as a license to sin and be reckless and wasteful. And the last thing is show, seek to know and show the heart of the Father. Seek to really know who God is. He is a loving Father that loves you more than you could ever comprehend. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Go ahead. For God so loved the world that He 
gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And so we want to give an opportunity this morning to respond to that message. Christ has come. He has done his part. God the Father has done his part. He sent Jesus into the world. Christ laid down his life for us. He's done his part. And now we have to respond. We have to respond to what he's done. We respond in faith. We respond in believing and receiving Jesus as the only Savior, the only one who can rescue us from our sin. So the worship team's going to lead us into a song. And as we sing this song, reflecting on the good news of Jesus Christ, we want to invite anybody up for prayer. If there's any prodigals here, any, any wayward sons or daughters, we want to invite you to come to the Father and receive His embrace. We want to pray with you. We want to speak God's Word over you, His truth over your life. Pastor Mike and his wife Terry are going to be back in the back. If you want prayer, you can go back there to them. Or if you want to come up, I'll pray with you as well. Uh, But we want to just open up the altar and open this time up for prayer. Or if you just want to sit and sing, that's fine as well. From heaven to earth, I sing.